Today's episode is sponsored by Faith. When I was a kid, there was a story that if you went into the bathroom and turned off all the lights and closed the door and looked in the mirror and said Bloody Mary three times, Bloody Mary would emerge. And I remember thinking that would be terrifying. And I never did it because the stories people said of if it did happen sounded awful and not fun. And I didn't want to have that sort of interaction as a child. But a few months ago, I was sitting there thinking to myself, you're an adult now. It's time to face Bloody Mary. So in February, I went into my bathroom, I closed the door, I turned off all the lights, I looked right in the mirror, and I said, Bloody Mary, three times. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And what emerged was our next guest, Keegan Hill. I was so excited to bring him on the podcast. Him and I have been having wonderful conversations before and after shows, and I thought, I got to bring you on the podcast. And so a few months ago, that's exactly what we did. Um, I'm sorry for taking so long to get this next episode up. Um, the last few months have been pretty busy. I was in a play. I had a bunch of family in town. I was at the medical improv training conference. There's been a lot of stuff happening, um, but I'm glad I finally um, was able to put this episode up. Um, so before we get into this episode, um, you can catch Keegan and I performing together multiple nights a week. Um, on Fridays, we perform at the Comedy Clubhouse at 10 o'clock with a team called Lucky Lucky. Um, we also perform on that team with a bunch of fantastic performers, including Christina Salesberry, who you heard on this podcast a few months ago. Um, and then Keegan and I also perform together Saturdays at 8 o'clock at The Annoyance with this team called Fire and Beer, a team full of another group of amazing performers, in addition to Jessica Scott, whom you also heard on this podcast a few months ago. So if you're in Chicago, please come check us out. We'd love to come see you um, and see your face, even though we probably don't know what you look like because you're a listener, but you know what we look like. So come and say hello. Um, I think that's it. Let's get to the episode. Keegan and I want to wish you all a very happy 4th of July. Today's episode was recorded on February 24th, 2018. Welcome to Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. happening right how many and he's like, he's like yeah there's actually two wars and he's like oh two wars there's two wars happening now is any of these is one of these happening on american soil <laughs> <laughs> talking, like he has no idea like just, how many wars are we in, in, in america <laughs> that show like there was an episode <laughs> they had where they they've done like blackface two times yeah and, like yeah. it's so Wild the stuff that they are able to get away with and like do and say, and I don't really know how, but it's pretty amazing. And I guess like it's <laughs> they're able to just kind of do like really fucked up stuff and play these like dumb ass characters. It's yeah, like, 
That's awesome. I love it. Um, so I, uh, it, I, I, it's recording now. So oh. um, do you want to state your name for the record? Keegan Hill. You know, I wasn't actually sure what your last name was because you have really? like a, there's that fake Facebook account that is Keegan Hall, I think. Keegan Hall, yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to let you say your last name. Yeah, Keegan Just Hill. Keegan Hill. Keegan Hall is, that's not my Facebook. That's Trey's, um, it's my fake Facebook that my buddy runs because, uh, <laughs> Because it's a joke to some people that I don't like social media. <laughs> do you not like social media? I didn't. Um, no, I'm not like virulently anti-social media. Yeah. But um, I think that like the social media um, communication sites like Snapchat and Facebook and stuff, like I think that they're possibly actively negative for society. Ooh, ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, uh, I was pre- pretty. Uh, we'll have to. I'll have to ask you more questions about that. I was. Uh, I've never downloaded Snapchat. I was like pretty against Snapchat. Like partially, my reason for not being a Snapchat person was like uh, I thought it was too easy to send me pictures of your life. Like I wanted people to like. I want it to. In, I want them to like individually put a picture into a text and then send it to me. And make them like kind of almost like, do I need to see this? Do they need or like, do they need to see this piece of information? And almost like, hopefully filter out some of the bullshit that maybe Snapchat has. But I don't know enough about Snapchat to know if you can send like individual messages in Snapchat or not. I have no clue. I'm sure you can. <laughs> well, we're gonna have Snapchat after the end of this episode, most likely, and we can send each other pictures all the time. Really? Yeah. All right. I do not even have it on my phone, so I don't know. You know, I did. I did download Snapchat for a little bit because my friend is a lawyer. Uh, one of my friends is a lawyer, and I got into a, a car accident. Um, this guy, so I got uh, rear-ended, and then this dude, uh, like, we exchange information Friday night, and then Sunday morning I get a call from his insurance, and they said he doesn't have active insurance. Hmm. And so then I was like, well, now what happens? Because. I don't know what to do. So I contacted my friend, and he said, um, uh, don't, like, do anything yet. And then the guy who got – the guy who hit me reached out to me because we had exchanged phone numbers. He said, my insurance is kind of fucked up, but I'll pay for it out of pocket. So my friend, who's the lawyer, helped me, like, write up everything. And he's like, don't do anything until we write this in paper, get all the information, have him pay for it. Mm-hmm. We went through all that stuff, and it worked out fine. Mm-hmm. The guy gave me the check, and then the check bounced for some of the work. and then he, But it was because he had paid all that money to – um, like pay for all the like car and his car and shit. Anyways, it worked out fine. My friends had in payment. I had to download Snapchat. So for <laughs> a month, I had Snapchat, and then I switched phones, and then I don't have Snapchat anymore. Huh. Clarity. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that, <laughs> that how most people get into social media like sites? <laughs> like there's just so in- like indebtedness to yeah, friends. Yeah, indebtedness <laughs> to friends. It's a terrible situation. <laughs> Maybe. Um, well, thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for jumping on. Glad to. Yeah. Glad to. Oh. Yeah. Well, I should. Uh, well, I'll give you a little background then on like how uh, I met Keegan. So you started off as my coach, and then you're now my like teammate. Right. Um, yeah. That's really the history. It's a really yeah. short. One day. One day we'll be friends. <laughs> one day we'll be friends. Hopefully, this, this is the test. This is after this we'll find out. Yeah. We'll be friends yeah. <laughs> if we can be friends or not. Yeah. That's what this is. <laughs> And you you can play this back and listen to where you fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, 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 I said such a stupid thing here are you, at the are 20 you minute assume- mark. <laughs> like, oh, stupid drug, stupid drug. Are you assuming that this we're not going to be friends after this based on cuz you are it's already assumed I'm going to fuck up at some point in this. <laughs> That's assumed. No, actually I thought about it and I was like 
uh, it's surprising to me that like I have any friends after any sort of opportunity for me to like speak my mind like at any sort of a, like a, a situation where I can actually talk about an entire thought <laughs> because you came into the in the first minute of this you said social media is bad for society that's what you I'm come saying hot. you don't you don't that's ease into I don't, <laughs> that's what I'm saying whenever I get a chance to actually talk about stuff like just generally speaking where I'm not going to get interrupted like by someone like a one-on-one type of thing like I'm going to say something I'm going to talk about something that is distasteful yeah. like but that's because but to be honest with you that's because like a lot of things about small talk and shit like just don't really interest me and the things that are like heavy or like complicated or like that people sometimes can't talk about with get it, without getting pissed like that shit is the interesting stuff to me yeah 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 like yeah. you know this about me like we've talked about religion before like before shows <laughs> like in like the 10 minutes before a show and I'll be like shrug shrug religion's bullshit <laughs> and we'll just talk about that for a few minutes or like uh, uh I don't remember. We got on attack talking about something else the other day. Oh, like, did you ask me? If, did you ask me if I thought that my parents were racist? Was that you? Oh no! <laughs> I mean, are they? I mean, I think we talked about that, and then we talked about how it's an uncomfortable thing to think about how your parents might be might be racist. Is that not, <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know. See, I have these conversations. Well, fucking, I mean, are they racist? Um. Put them on blast. First, middle, yeah, last name. Yeah, exactly right. Can, can this this episode be titled "Kiki's Parents Are Racist"? <laughs> that sounds like an epi- that sounds like the title of a Always Sunny episode. It does. As well. <laughs> well, that's like really interesting because I sort of like um, I think about sort of the difference in like how I maybe see society and how my family sees society and race and culture and things like. So my parents weren't born here. Um, but they were also like uh, they were around a lot of other races growing up, mm-hmm. and so I think that that helped a little bit to some degree in like them uh, yeah. maybe not having some of the same like um, I guess like potential racial holdups. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that yeah, I don't know. I guess like I don't think my parents are racist, but I think mm-hmm. that they're definitely like uh, nobody said they were wrong. <laughs> uh, nobody. Said, I, just... I didn't say that. This is called Keegan's parents are racist, and now you're sitting across from me now. Well, I, I mean, I don't think my parents are racist. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> we could t- we could title this episode Keegan's parents are racist slash Chirags are not, although no one asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh fuck, that's funny. I did <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. I, an interesting question i'm not sure i mean well i think it's a, it's an interesting question only because like a lot of people it sounds from what i'm hearing about your parents like that they're not <laughs> you know but a lot of people's because it's just like and it's not an excuse but like older generations have a have a fucking i'm swearing a lot that's cool right like, uh yeah, yeah you can curse all uh, you want like um they just have a fucking thing about racism like it like the, and they talk about it and they act like it's not a big deal or oh it's a sign it's a time everybody did this my fucking friend joe down at the bar oh he always tells racist it just wasn't a big deal it's just not a big deal like they yeah. have this laissez-faire attitude about it like a lot of the older generation not everybody not every like person that's over 50 is like secretly or outwardly racist but like they just seem to have this odd yeah attitude about it which yeah. i do not understand mm. i do not understand that if you're gonna have like that sort of attitude about something like fine but not that like not one of society's greatest ills like not not one of the things that like 
should make you feel ashamed to be a human being. Yeah. Like racism makes me ashamed to be a fucking human being. Like, like I I think a racist is worth less than a a dog or a wolf or like you know any sort of animal. Like to me, like you're actively creating like negativity in the world, and you, therefore you're no, of no more use to to anyone than an animal. Like sure, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. And, and I don't know. It's, it's not that I don't think animals have rights and shit like that. I'm not yeah. sure what those rights are. Animals don't tell us. Yeah, but well, that's their fault. They should. Tell yeah, us. you should speak up. Like, maybe they want to be made into coats. <laughs> you know, I don't know. You don't know. Yeah, who are we to assume that a fucking chinchilla doesn't want to actually be part of a coat and in front of an album of some... That's exactly right. Or a you, magazine cover. That's right. How do you know that that, that deer didn't want to die? <laughs> like how, you know, like, of all the deers that there are, there's probably some that are like, you know die, what, this right? is some bullshit. Because do animals... Like, have they, like, studied, like, suicide in animals? Is that, like, a thing? Mm, I think it's not a thing. Because... I don't know. I think it's not a thing because animals operate off of like the instinct, like basic like survival instinct. You know, it's just it's everything is survival. It comes yeah. down to like one thing, and that one thing is just surviving. And so it's like you eat what you have to eat, try and like you know, and they've evolved in ways that make them less likely to die. And so like to actually sure. for an animal to die, like that would mean it had some sort of sentience because the only reason that people want to die is because we have sentience and we can think all the time and like sometimes thinking makes you want to die (laughs) like like abstract concepts make you want to die you know i don't know yeah that's uh yeah i don't know either so like uh, going back to the parents i think like it's um there's like a i feel like there's just like a gap maybe an understanding of race or like what you are around around like the people that you were raised around and the time you're raised around plays such a big role that like even if you're not racist like you may say some shit that just like might seem weird in the the today's context in in uh like um can't even think of a specific example really but it's just like uh uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like I think that the the, way, the time you were raised does play a little bit of a role. I think like what is important is like understanding that you are sort of like you do have these thoughts and like being able to come out of those thoughts a little bit. So like you were raised at a time where like whatever, like I don't know. I, I don't even like it was just okay to feel weird about race or be like anything that wasn't like uh, I guess I'll just use white people as an example or whatever. So like you were raised in a time where it's all, all white people and then it's like Indian people or black people or whatever come mm-hmm. in and you're like, well. We're going to be mean to them and everybody's doing it and it's kind of okay. And or we just like would say slurs because everyone said slurs. And now you're in this time where it's like you probably shouldn't say that shit. And I think like I think it's you you can't like erase the past or whatever. I think it is important to realize like, all right, that's what we did then. And like, fuck, I have to be careful now of how I say things. And so like, I don't know, maybe if they slip up a little bit, like I don't I guess like I feel like. Uh, if you call someone racist, I feel like there has to be like a little bit of negative intention in how they say the things that they do, like the actions that they do. So if they say something that's a little off cuff that doesn't fit with what we would say, I don't. I wouldn't just like immediately call them racist. So like this has actually been like um, there was this baseball player recently who like uh, <clears throat> uh, towards some Asian player he like uh, like made his eyes look like squinty or whatever. Okay. Um, and he got in trouble for that. And I remember seeing someone on Facebook saying, "Well, fuck this guy." I'm done with him. And I was like, okay, hold on. Like, sure, that wasn't right. Maybe the people around him or his friends think it's okay. Maybe he doesn't really fully understand he shouldn't do it. So, like, 
I wouldn't say like he was racist immediately, like until mm-hmm. maybe like let's figure out why he did that. I don't know if that's too yeah. much. I mean, yeah. Can you delve into like why everyone does everything that they do? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it would be exhausting. It would be. Exhausting. You could try to do that. Some people do try to do that, but like, yeah, it would be exhausting. I mean, I think that like. Like, of course, like, there's, like, gradations to everything of, like, you know, good intent versus ill intent or, like, I meant what I meant what I said or, oh, I didn't even realize what I was saying. I didn't mean it, you know? And so, like, I'm, I don't know what how much better, like, not that bad of a racist is compared to, like, an actually bad racist. But we all know, like, they're, like if you're a racist, I fucking think you know it. I think you know it and you just, and you just choose and, and you like it. You know what I mean? And there's, there's also some people that... <clears throat> just are ignorant and then that leads them to be you know racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever it is just because of their ignorance and again like i don't think that is like a better form of like racism or homophobia or whatever than the one based on like active malevolence but like um i don't i don't know there's just different different explanations for the same old bullshit and there's no excuse for it because we know so much better now you know what i mean like oh i grew up in a town where there's only white people like Oh, well, maybe watch television shows that don't only feature white people, you know? Like, maybe, like, just watch something else and expand your palette. If you can't see people of other cultures or other races, like, you can. You know what I mean? And if you only watch ER, you only watch your dumb, your, like, your, like, white bread type shows or um, entertainment, music, whatever, like, that's still your choice. Like, don't tell me, like, oh, I'm isolated. I don't know about other cultures. Like, you could. You could go on the internet, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. There's this really... Uh, I think I talked about it with another friend, but there's this really, really fucking good show on uh, Viceland called Hate Thy Neighbor. Is it? Yeah, I don't oh, know if you've seen good. it. No, uh-uh. So, basically, it's this uh, half-black, half-white uh, British comedian guy or whatever, and he hangs out with, like, white... like Or not, sorry, alt, like, right groups of all right. cultures and races. So, like, <clears throat> the first episode... Uh, is amazing. He hangs out with like all white racist groups, so like KKK guys and um, the National Socialist Movement, the NSM. Um, and he like interacts with them and spends time with them. And like um, at the end of the episode, like is really connecting with this one dude, this guy who's like a like basically like is proudly a racist. Is like bonding at the end of the episode. They fucking shake hands and shit. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with that racist guy just reading books to his children. It's like this very mm-hmm. beautiful visual of this father reading to his children, a very sweet, like, nice thing. But it's like he's also a racist, but he also connected with a person of color. And, like, mm-hmm. I do sometimes um, think that... <clears throat> I don't think it's an excuse to be like, I'm only around white people, so this is all I know. But I think there is a little bit of a value to, like, when you do finally meet someone of a race of a race that you might hate, I think it can like change a lot of stuff. And so like I, so like even just like watching on TV or reading about it, I don't think that's enough. I think like no. you do really have to like for some like I don't know what led them to be okay to let this person come into their community. Like mm-hmm. they, there was a point where they were like doing a, a cross burning or something, and they didn't let him come into the area. They made him watch from afar or whatever. But hmm. basically, they gave him gave him access. He like in other episodes, he's having dinner with. Like uh, people who claim to be racist and not like him, he's sitting at their fucking dinner mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. there. So like, there's a little bit of like, I don't know why those racist people are doing it, but there's a little bit of humanity to them, I guess. And maybe they do think totally. like this will give us shine to our cause. Maybe they think that this is why. Like, if you put us on TV, we can catch more people. But like, I think there is a lot of value to like, or I guess I 
I, yeah, like I said, I can't agree. I don't agree with like no one else is around me, so that's why I'm racist. But I think mm-hmm. like it does play a big role. Like yeah. if you don't interact with the like other races or whatever, like like so I, I guess like where you grew up and like your parents, and I guess the reason either if I asked you or whoever asked <laughs> you was it like because like <clears throat> assume obviously your parents were born in the whatever 50s and 60s unless mm-hmm. your parents are like 400 years old and they no. were born in 16 something yeah no no they're not 400. yeah you're right with the first guess <laughs> <laughs> but like like was it like a, you're from colorado right that's right so was it like a town where there wasn't like other races um not exactly like i'm from like i always say like because now everyone is all about colorado right colorado is the place to be colorado's cool and so um I always say that I was not born and raised in a in a cool part of Colorado. I was born in Greeley, uh, Colorado, which is um, uh, northern Colorado, and it's like mostly um, flatland. That you know, there's no mountains there, there's no skiing, there's there's no snowboarding, there's nothing about the cool parts of Colorado. It's like sugar beet farms and like cattle there's cattle everywhere and Greeley smells like that's the Colorado joke if you've ever lived in Colorado like the joke is like oh if you smell something that smells like shit coming from a certain direction you know like that must mean the wind is blowing from Greeley like (laughs) everyone knows Greeley makes Colorado smell like cow shit Mm. um and it's true it's true it does smell that bad. Although when you live there, you stop smelling it after a while. So yeah. you think that like these these reports are overblown, and you're like, ah, Greeley. Like people make fun of it. It doesn't smell that bad. And then you leave for a string of days, and you come back, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> that I think about that about not to cut you off, but I do that when I walk into my apartment. I'll be like, oh, yeah. I've been in here for so long, I don't know what it's the Greeley like. effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Greeley effect. I'll like walk into my apartment, take like a huge whiff of air, and almost try to put my mind into the mind of someone who isn't me to be like, if you smell this, would you think this is weird or dangerous? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I agree. With yeah. That's people, yeah, people can't smell themselves either, which is a real shame. Like, you have to try so hard to smell yourself. Have you ever done that? Like, you have to really get your nose, like, up under your armpit or, like, and even so, like, maybe you're just smelling, like, deodorant on your shirt or whatever and you think you smell fine. Yeah. But your body could smell, like, total ass and you, you just wouldn't <laughs> smell it. Like, you just don't smell it. Like, what's your, do you have a go-to way to figure out if you're stinky or not? Um... Yeah, I like to smell down the front of my shirt. Yeah. Because I figure, like, if you just, if you lift up your arm and you smell your armpit, like I said, I, f- I feel like you're just smelling potentially deodorant and, like, that got on your shirt, or, like, if that doesn't smell too bad, like, that, I don't think that really means anything, but you smell down the front of your shirt and you could get, you get, like, especially if you put your arms together, put it to, like, your arms together, like, uh, like, <laughs> tight to the sides of you, like, smell down your shirt. Then you get the real authentic smell of, like, both armpits, sort of, like, but not with your nose right up against your shirt, mm. like, sort of naturally, like, coming up from both from both angles <laughs> it's a good, i'll probably try that man and it, it seems like it's a little more like uh discreet too like smelling from the front of your shirt smelling sure. armpits like it's everyone is very clear that you're trying to figure out if you're stinky or not but yeah. down the front you could be wiping your nose mm-hmm. mm. or just like making like one of those like cute high school girl like shy moves like <laughs> Like with your sweater. You have the, the way that your hair, there'll be a picture eventually, but the way your hair is sort of shown out of the back of your hat while you did that cute little thing was adorable. It was super cute, right? It reminded me of my yeah. high school times. But yeah, exactly. You probably dated some girls that were a lot like me. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so from Greeley smelled like cow shit. From Greeley smelled like cow shit. And to answer your question, it wasn't that it was like an isolate, like it was only only white people there although i think that is fairly common for more rural areas and it was a smaller town um well i guess i should say there was not that many people in greeley for the um, the sheer amount of um like 
space there was in Greeley. Like it was a bigger town, and like I said, a lot of it, but there's not anything there. It was fields or for food or for animals, okay. and so there's not that many people there, and a lot of them are like um, not cowboys because cowboys are cool. I, I guess there were a few cowboys, but mostly just farmers. You know, like farmers and like blue like blue collar guys, working class guys. My dad was a police officer. Okay. And, oh, I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And um, there, uh, that was mostly what there was. So it was like a very red area. And um, actually recent, recently, when was this? Uh, about a year ago, I believe, like Greeley decided that they were going to try and secede from Colorado. It was in the news and they were going to be called like Northern Colorado or something like that. Whoa. Like Greeley and some of the surrounding wow. counties because, because of how blue Colorado had become in recent years. So you know? Illinois has a kind of a similar thing too, like with Chicago kind of ruining it for the rest of the uh, <laughs> rest of the state. Like I was watching the the Democratic um, uh, debates for who was going to run against Rauner in the like uh, um, like elections coming up, and so the, there was like five Democratic candidates, and one guy at the end they're like, "What's one thing? What's one last thing you would do? Or what's?" For your last statement, what's one thing you would do if you became governor or whatever? And, like, um, uh, one dude said he would split Illinois up into three states. And it was, like, Chicago, Springfield, and then the rest of the state. Wow. So, like, there must be, like, many, st- I guess, states that are sort of, like, that have that similar thing of, like, there's, like, a big city or a, or a big city or a small little nook that sort of tweaks the whole thing. There must be a little bit of a mini movement happening within that state to want to be, like, let's get the fuck out of here and do yeah. our own thing. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's gross. Um, and there was like there was in that town too in Greeley. There was like a very there was like a high um, Hispanic population. Like a lot of people that were like that had come there and lived there. And I don't remember why. I at one point I did know why. There was a lot of people that lived in Greeley for the first time after coming from Mexico. Like so, there was a lot of like native um, Spanish speaking people who did not speak English. Like over and they were all of course like. There's like a part of town that that like like there was mostly like Hispanic people living and not really any white people over there and it like crossed over sort of like with the downtown area and there was a lot of gang activity in Greeley too and it was like a lot of like different Mexican gangs that were doing it and so like and so that that led to like all the time growing up like I just thought like like Mexicans are in gangs you know like I just thought that, you yeah, know, yeah, so, like, yeah. and my dad being a police officer too, and not like a woke police officer, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you know, like the stories you'd hear, it was always like, you know, you you start to just think as like a young kid, like a little kid, you know, it's just like there's basically two people in my world. There's white people and Mexicans, and Mexicans are in gangs. Like that was what I thought, and nobody was trying to tell me that wasn't true. And as like a you know an eight, nine, ten year old, I may make a joke, you know, I may, I may say something that basically shows my parents who are listening that like that I maybe think that all Mexicans are in gangs, like because I did think that, yeah, yeah, and they did not tell me I was wrong. Yeah, there was no no like a correction. No, yeah, like yeah, and yeah. if anything, Shrag, I like there might have been like a chuckle. You know what I mean? And it's like. And I think about things like that, and I and I am so mad at myself. Like I'm so mad at myself that at any point in my life, despite whatever my upbringing it was or whatever, that like I could even think that, you know, that I yeah, could yeah, be yeah. so stupid. Like, and so I beat myself up. I don't beat my parents up about that. But like when I think back on it, I also think, what the fuck, you know, what the fuck are parents for if not to hear your kid say some dumbass shit and then be like, 
listen, no, like that's not the reality because yeah. this is going to impact his whole entire life. Is he, he's, is he going to grow up start, starting to think that like he's better than some people simply because of his race? Like, doesn't that send off all sorts of alarm bells in your parent mind? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. is that the type of child you want to have? Is that like, but isn't that like, th- that also like, that means that the people who you, like who should be correcting you need to have corrected it like within themselves and those like mentalities and ideas and stuff, right? I so, guess. Like, or even just to think like, uh, well, this kid's like eight years old he start. He sounds like an old racist. Like maybe I should just stop that. Like Did you don't you have, have to be the greatest knight in the world to think maybe I should stop this kid from saying something that is kind of outright racist. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess if they uh, like, if the parents and stuff also believe that or like kind of lean in that mentality, then you, like the alarms won't go off if they don't like. If it's not an alarm right. in their I guess head, right. I, guess, I guess like right. you know what I'm saying. Like if someone says some fucked up stuff, but if the other person listening agrees with that, like in a simple sense, That's like true. if I'm like I really like the Bulls, they're the best team in the NBA, and if you also believe that shit, you're not gonna that's say true. You're get not the gonna... fuck out of here. Like, yeah, that's true. And like I wonder if that's like if the yeah, I can't be really like corrected if they. You're right. Know the answers either, really. You're right. You're totally right. You know that reminds me of like one of my policies because I know that when I get talking, you know, I'm gonna say I'm like I'm not actively trying to insult anybody, but like I said, I love to talk about this shit that's like hard. I love to talk about that hard shit, and so I probably will. And one one way that I like sort of regulate myself on that is like I don't generally initiate that stuff. But like my rule is like if I'm sitting around with you, whoever you are, like a friend or a relative, or like I do this with my own brothers even, like if you say some shit that is that if you say some shit that I think is ignorant, if you bring some ignorant shit, then I'm gonna say some shit that you think is ignorant. You know? Like cause that's that tells me it's okay. Like if you're gonna say something that like I think is ignorant get ready because you're going to think I'm ignorant here in a minute too you know (laughs) like like I I won't start with that I won't be like that's this is all bullshit everything all your politics are bullshit but if they say something that like puts down my politics you know out of nowhere just you know then I'm then I'm going to put your politics down like and it's okay and I don't feel bad for that because you started it if quickly you were to be like ah you know what I don't want to do this I'd stop you know I'd be like all right, fine but if you're going to continue to engage in that like that's fine we can engage I want to talk about people's differences you know because it's so interesting. Dude. And maybe maybe you could find like some area of common ground. Like maybe they think a little bit more next time. Or maybe I just understand it better so that like I can communicate better with people that, that think different. That I feel like is a very, very important thing because like the reality is like you're not gonna be able to agree with everybody. Like I was no. talking to this dude after a show recently and he's like a very big atheist. Uh, like he called, claimed himself to be an atheist, and like, right. uh, and I was, and he's like, I don't really like, I'm not into that spirituality stuff. And I uh-huh. was like, well, I kind of lean towards the spirituality thing. Uh-huh. Like I was, whatever I've talked about this before. Like I was raised Hindu, but that's like right. I kind of lean in this. Like I want to learn about other religions and like what they talk about. And he doesn't. It, that's not his thing. But like as we were both kind of talking about stuff, like there was definitely like we were kind of talking about similar things. I was just coming from this like, I don't know if you know if it's religious, but like a spiritual sense, I guess. Like he was coming from a non-spiritual sense and there were so many like through lines between our things and like we weren't arguing we were just like this is what it is let me hear what you have to say and it's like there there is that there it's there's going to be common ground man but like the i feel like you have to accept that there's going to be common ground like yeah. if, if you that, that seems to be like many of the issues with like uh whatever like politics or like religions arguing against each other just like two people in general like i'm not the fucking best like communicator about my issues with people all the time but like if you if 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 I go in assuming that like 
everything I'm about to say is correct and I'm not going to let anything of yours come in like that's not a fucking conversation man that's no. just like me making a speech with right. no one getting to rebut and like I, I like that you do that too like go in and like maybe at least even if I don't agree like let's gain a little bit of better perspective so I think I that sometimes it. it does help to know like I was raised in a time where like people said shit like uh-huh. even but I think so, that has to come with like I was raised in a time where people said shit um, so sometimes I may say stuff that's a little off the cuff but it's still a little hard for me I'm writing it off as opposed to like I came from a time where people said shit so I don't give a fuck I'm gonna keep saying it like yeah. I think those are two very different approaches to yeah. that and I'm very I am I accept that like my my parents and I don't agree on things or we may be like so like there was a um, like years ago um, my mom uh, we were talking about just like marriage or whatever and um, my mom was like uh yeah, I, I'd be sad if you didn't marry a Hindu. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, she's like, well, I don't know. Like, we're Hindu. And I was like, yeah, but if I find someone who's like, makes me happy, that's mm-hmm. obviously important. Um, if they have the same sort of views on life, if it came from a different religion, that's also important. And she was like, yeah, actually, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. That, like, that's a good thing. Like, and I get no. it. I mean, my dad has said that too. He's like, I mean, ideally. I'd like you to marry Hindu because of culture, like, because that includes like culture and everything, and sort of it's, there's almost like less explaining that needs to be done of like, mm-hmm. why do I see my family all the time? Why do the parents live with mm-hmm. um, the family? Like, and obviously other cultures do that too, but like within the Indian culture and like a lot of like minority cultures or whatever, like, mm-hmm. like my dad's parents moved in with us mm-hmm. before my sister was born, and like my parents have never sort of explicitly said like we're gonna live with you. They kind of joke about saying they've just accepted that I'm not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to make it easier for them like when if it doesn't happen I guess but it's like uh, so those things are just like if, if there's some an other first generation like Indian friends of mine that's basically a lot of them have a similar thread so hmm. if I was to find someone within that culture it's it's less of an explaining almost like an in, ingrained indoctrinated thing from birth mm-hmm. um, and someone from another culture may not have that same thing and so like mm-hmm. I do kind of understand the like ease of marrying someone within the culture but like it's mm-hmm. also like come on man you can find the same through lines of how you treat people and how you like mm-hmm. uh, like uh, treat elders and all that shit mm-hmm. within any fucking culture. So mm-hmm. like, I like that my parents, even if they have these things, are also like, yeah, okay, cool, that makes a lot of sense, and now we move forward. Like, as opposed to nope, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Like, I have friends who are told like you can only marry someone within this culture, mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of sucks. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's unfair. I mean, I think that they, the people who have been told that, they found very lovely people within their own community and their culture and stuff. And mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, dude. You're like, I just, it's, uh, you know, what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier was like a certainty mm-hmm. in stuff scares me so much like when someone's so certain I'm like you have to find someone within your religion because our religion is the best or like everything about what we do is correct and you no. know if you find anyone outside it's not going to work like that kind of certainty or just like certainty in faith or whatever like is a little scary yeah. to me it's like a terrifying fucking thing yeah yeah it's true um, and you can't have like certainty I really feel like with any degree of like actuality when you're talking about a lot of different things like when you're talking about like relationships you're talking about like um religious or spiritual views you know i mean people will say all the time like oh i knew she was the one for me i knew it from the moment i saw her said so many stupid movies that like i've had to watch over the years (laughs) um like that's not that's bullshit you know there's no such thing as certainty you know like and the only way there could be is if like there's some right way that life is supposed to go like you're living some life that someone has written or someone is all mapped out 
And like, that's the only way there would be certainty, you know, because there would be an ultimate right person for you. There'd be one ultimate like right truth. But I don't think that that's like, that's, nobody really thinks that's the reality. Like, I don't know. It's like, and faith, what is faith even? I was thinking about this yesterday. Like faith is, faith is like, it's basically like, it's everything in between like, oh, okay. So this thing stopped making sense, sense, you know, in, in terms of like stuff that I can actually like show other people and also have them believe it. Uh, and so there's this gap in between that and, and it, and you fill that with faith, I think, <laughs> because, because, other, cause you know, that I grew up Christian, you know, I grew up Christian. I, I believed that God was up there. I believed in the 10 commandments, you know, talking about, um, like our upbringing being, um, like a very, specific like culturally like there is like a real culture to like Chris the Christianity that my parents had it's like real old school biblical literalism that type of life that I lived and so yeah I believed in God and I believed in Jesus and all this stuff but there was no way for me to know that was true you know and like people would look down on me when I would ask questions like oh but you have to have faith that was the answer it was faith because you can't know and so everything that fills up like you getting to that whole acceptance of the idea where the facts have to stop, there has to be faith. Yeah. And, they, and, and people would not disagree with that. They'd be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, faith, faith is for when it doesn't make sense anymore. You just have to have faith. And like over the years, that's what my pastor told me. He's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like things don't make sense to you. That's what faith is for. You just have to believe it. You're not going to get answers to everything. God's not going to come down and tell you, oh, here's why I said what seems ignorant to you in, in the Bible, in my holy book, seems ignorant to you, but like, let me explain. Like God's not going to do that. It doesn't make sense to you. You have to have faith that it's, fine you know you just have to have faith yeah. it's a whole bunch it's a whole bunch of, of like stuff that fills in that blank i think mm. um and we all do it somewhat so i can't sit here like shiraga like pretend like i don't use faith i don't need it oh of course i'm intellectual like you have faith when you walk across the street like no one's gonna hit you because you don't always look both ways like super hard yeah, like yeah. you don't stare down the right side of the street <laughs> you kind of just have faith that like when you looked over there a half second ago nobody just turned left going 90 miles an hour yeah yeah you yeah. know because you can't live without some sort of faith it's just like what degree of things are you continually willing to like throw the that faith ball at sure yeah like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. i don't know no I don't no know. i i agree i think that the, yeah there is definitely like a, a big degree of faith with everything that we do for sure well um did, so you felt like uh, that, like uh, that you said when you would ask questions, they would like look down on you and stuff. Was that just like, uh, was it like, uh, from what it sounds like, questions were not an accepted thing? Like you weren't really supposed to ask like questions. Questions weren't good. Yeah, you could ask questions. There was a question and answer period after church, you know, where people would raise their hands and ask questions, but they were like usually like really milk toast questions. Yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah, like the... they weren't real questions. They were just like so. Pastor, like, I, I heard that you said, like, this verse was, like, uh, it's your favorite verse. It, uh, could, could you tell us more? They're all just puff pieces. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just puff pieces. Um, but, like, no, it wasn't that questions were discouraged actively. It was, like, as soon as you asked, like, a really hard question, um, uh, then... You either wouldn't get a straight answer, or they would just, uh, or you, they'd say you gotta have faith. Like with this look in their eyes, like you don't have faith. Like, like there's something wrong with my faith. Then I always felt like my faith was broken because I had questions, and when I would ask them, and the answer was generally always like, "Well, our the human understanding can only go to a certain level, and God is high above that, you know, and we cannot always understand His understanding and the reason He does things, and we don't need to. That's what faith is for. That's why we get into heaven. He's rewarding us for our faith." 
you know like it's all it's just, it was all just a self-propagating thing of like yeah, if yeah, i'm yeah. asking these questions i don't have faith and i got fucking tired of people looking down on my faith all the time it was like i believe this stuff hardcore you guys like i pray every night i try really hard to like follow the 10 commandments you know i wasn't out fucking girls at 15 because i believed in jesus you, you know what, what i mean what did you say i was not out fucking girls at 15 16 17 because mm. i believed in jesus you know like i was actually living this shit yeah, yeah. i was doing the work and all the time i just felt like i had my faith was bullshit every time i tried to get an answer to something or even just talk about a doubt or something like yeah, that it was yeah. always like you could see people just shaking their heads. That's so... Yeah, that seems weird. I mean, I guess, like... I mean, I guess I had... I feel like that's, like, a, I had that growing up, too. But it wasn't, like, a religious thing. It was just, like, as a kid. Like, there wasn't, like... It was just, like, you're just going to do this. And we, we we tell you to do it. And so, like, recently I've been able to, like... over the, As I've gotten older a little bit, being able to, like, ask questions and stuff. And, like, uh, it would be frustrating if I was not allowed to be able to ask my questions. Because it is kind of a fucked up, like what they're doing like equating asking questions to lack of faith is right. weird because like you were probably trying to in your like trying to strengthen it or whatever exactly. and it's like why exactly i guess again too like the certainty like it's why shouldn't it be question i was talking to this like my friend got married like a year ago and his buddy was a lutheran pastor who mm-hmm. um like officiated the wedding or whatever and he was like uh he basically that's kind of where i got that sort of idea of certainty being fucked up is that he was telling me he's like certainty he was telling me he's like certainty scares me like i want people to ask me questions i want to try and answer them i want to like mm-hmm. and i don't think he was trying to bring people into the church i mean if what mm-hmm. he said brought them in then whatever but he was like let's answer your question let's help you figure out like somewhat of an answer like i don't know it's 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 very i just think it's really unfortunate like that we're not allowed to ask questions like that's how you fucking learn man like um mm-hmm. i don't know that's how did yeah. you so like how did you like what like why do you think you had the like why were you asking those kinds of questions i guess being raised in a society that like didn't want that to happen yeah um and nobody else was either i'll tell you what nobody else was asking those questions like later um some of my friends and my brothers did but at the time nobody was you know um uh why did i do that i don't know i think i think it's just part of my personality to a certain degree i like you know i started this i always say this like i think rock and roll is so cool dude like and that sounds <laughs> random it sounds random but it's not like i just i loved rock and roll since i was a young kid whether it was punk rock or metallica or whatever like first time i heard it i fucking loved it and so there's this there's always been like this sort of mentality that i have of like just like wanting to fuck things up a little bit and just enjoying like the idea of a rebel you know like i wasn't out there throwing molotov cocktails around i wasn't even getting in that big of trouble i was riding my bike around and my friends were filming me doing jackass stunts you know what i mean like, i wasn't actually an activist or anything like that yeah, yeah, yeah. but like i just like i liked I, anything it's the idea of certainty anytime my parents would get smug or someone would get smug talking about like their faith or like this or that i just wanted to pick at him i just wanted to be ask a question and it wasn't necessarily that i wanted to tear the down because I believe the same thing that they did or I just wanted my faith to be better but I wanted to make people think I wanted to like pick at things a little bit and I always said I always said like if you can't defend or back up your faith like you're useless to everyone you know you're completely useless yeah, to yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because no one so that's the other thing about like the uh, w- the like the sect that I grew up in the biblical literalist type Presbyterian christian sect was like you wanted to convert people you certainly did and like how can you do that like how could i have done that if they're gonna ask me the same questions i'm thinking late at night and i just have to say what do i have to say i have to say the same thing everyone says to me oh you have to have faith 
you know and that is not solve it for me that is not solve it yeah 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 I do that I like I feel like I do that with like when I'm doing like presentations for work or like when I've like taught and stuff like I kind of go in like thinking like I can't just if they ask me a question I have to know the fucking answer I can't just be like nah because I'm telling you and it's like that should be the approach to all those things. Like you do have to have the answers. I think if if you're gonna try and promote something, if I'm trying to teach you this shit on the board, yeah. I should know what it is. I should know that one plus like I should not be able to fucking understand the math of one plus one is two or whatever. As uh-huh. opposed to just like, well, it is here. It is fucking. That's it. That's all you get. You don't get any other explanation. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, it's interesting. Like, I have a question for you, actually. Like, I don't think that I've asked you this. This is not... I asked the question. You asked the questions here? Can I... I'll phrase it as a statement, and (laughs) you can tell me, and you can speak on it. (laughs) Is that how this works? Yeah, that's perfect. So, like, for... for, It sounds as if, like, spirituality, at least in your life, was, like, um, a positive force, or is a positive force. Because otherwise, why would you still, you know, do it? But, like, um, I haven't had that experience for years... And even when I thought I was looking back on it, sometimes I don't think it actually was good for me. Um, and so as someone who has it as a positive force, like sometimes I think like, what am I missing in life? Because I don't live in a spiritual sense, really. Like, what if I could, you know, what if I tried? What if I looked into more of these things? Like, what am I ready to abandon this completely like out of my life? And I don't know where to start, but that's another thing. Like, What do you think like, like you get or like what is different about your life with that sort with that sense of spirituality as opposed to like what it would be like if you didn't have it oh interesting yeah i don't know man like uh i guess i'd even say too like i don't even fully like whatever people consider spiritual or whatever like i don't know if that's what i like even have in my own head if that makes sense so like i was raised hindu um and like um it wasn't like an overbearing hindu like uh push upon me just kind of like uh like a little cultural religious mix of stuff um uh but i don't know for me like uh, i don't i honestly i have no idea like Hmm. i just i don't know if it like i mean i think it just kind of falls into like how i sort of operate in my life like trying to be nice to everyone that i see um like trying to um i don't know like respect elderly people or like Mm -hmm. um I don't know. I, I don't even really know if that even really sort of falls into like a spiritual sense. I guess more now, I guess, like over the last few years, which maybe doesn't come from like my um, like real, from like my upbringing from my parents as much or it's a part of it. It's like just like uh, like fucking around reading with like Joseph Campbell and sort of like looking at like the like connectedness of all the religions and sort of starting to tap into like maybe the connectedness of like everything together i guess but i don't know if that came from us because i feel like you probably have a lot of that too and like i don't like from in talking to you i feel like you have those things too like um but i don't know why i think maybe that makes me like a sort of a like i look at that in a spiritual sense and you don't i don't know if that i don't know if that answers your question huh yeah well you know and i think too a lot it's like well how much of my um like my moral code or whatever like my system of things that i think are right like how much is that actually from that like spiritual or that sort of religious upbringing obviously i've jettisoned like a shitload of it i've been like oh like that's dog shit but most of the positives do sort of come from that angle like and i still think dude it's crazy like it's like being in a cult man like you never fully get away like i still think of things in that context all the time like when like when someone 
who like a new story will come out and some pastor somewhere, whatever of some mega church will be, t- will be saying something that's misogynistic or whatever. And immediately I'll just like get all up in arms. I'll get angry because I'll be like, that, isn't that like, I understand that like the Bible is filled with misogyny, but like your religion doesn't have to be. And Jesus himself was not. Um, a misogynist? I don't know. I never met the guy. I don't think he was. Or maybe they just didn't write those words down. When they're like, oh, he's being misogynistic. Yeah, Stop writing. Yeah, that's off Stop the record. Stop writing. That's off the record. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he warned them. He's like, all right, I'm going to go off the record, guys. Maybe. I don't know. But like, like I get... Well, good for him. That's a smart man. <laughs> that's a man who knows how to avoid a media controversy. Genius, like Fucking that's, genius. And, and what happened to him? Oh, he, well, he got nailed to a cross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, and, and I still put things in that context and I'll be like, that's anti your religion. You should be the first person. And like with racism too, like I get so mad, dude, when I think about like at one point Martin Luther King was in jail writing a letter to, to churches just in general that was sent out to like a bunch of different churches, begging them to support civil rights, begging them to help him in this fight for equality. Churches, pastors, these are the people he's begging and who are the people that he has doing it? You know, a whole lot of... You know, just guys like you and me, like blue collar guys, you know, like factory workers, you know, like he does not have like all these church people marching in unison trying to like make a, a big change. Like it, he didn't, it didn't happen. Like they weren't doing that, which is so anti yeah. their entire religion. It's like you should, you should have seen, you should have seen people being disrespected and you're, and you should have known that your God is like weeping because of this, but yeah. they, they, they weren't, they didn't care, you know, like. I don't know. So I still think of things in like terms of, of like Christianity and the Bible, and I still think I know better than them what their morals should be. Well, that's when I feel like I like pull like a lot of sort of my beliefs on like religion or whatever, like just less from like people who claim to be religious and more from people who I think can look at it, look at it as a um, like from an almost outside perspective to some degree like you're not so deeply in it that you can't see your own flaws like i yeah. like my first episode was like a, a, a very religious muslim friend of mine but like i feel like he has the like he can sort of see the two difference like this is my religion but also like like i think one of the things he said was something like we have to fucking help each other and fight for each other like that's where i think religion should be pulling people towards not right. into this like that's right fucking big pastor saying misogynistic stuff or allowing racism to continue within their thing it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense to me dude like i I was talking to my dad recently and uh, my dad was like look yeah we're hidden he's like i put humans above everything else i was like that's you're fucking saying what jesus probably said Mm -hmm. man like this is the like that's where i want to pull and like my that's like kind of like my family for the most part like that's our sort of view on stuff we are like hindu and fucking hindu but it's like dude like people and like is way above sort of religious stuff and it's like that's what it should be about man so like Mm -hmm. a a pastor or some like religious person telling me stuff that needs to come only from this religion and not realizing the flaws in your own religion or just like like man like like with the the catholic priests and all that stuff right like in the like weird children sex abuse stuff i just got i'm so glad there's not cameras here because (laughs) when you said like the catholic church you know the priest of sex abuse my face was so happy (laughs) my face was i was so happy because i love to talk about this stuff but it's just like i feel like it's and i'm like i don't know if i hope i don't sound dumb but like i guess what what like it sounds like it's the sort of the larger rhetoric is like yeah but but ignore that that pretend like that didn't happen let's let me tell you more yeah. about this and and like and this isn't to say like 
I would imagine like that's not the only that's obviously not the only religion that has issues. That's not the only institution that has the very similar issues. Mm-hmm. But like when you say when you clearly have a problem and you say ignore that shit let me tell you about my viewpoints anyways yeah. it's like you can't fucking ignore your flaws man like that mm-hmm. shit's there you gotta parse through that figure out that shit and then like cause mm-hmm. then I'm not gonna listen I'm not gonna believe you like mm-hmm. if you're just like yeah yeah we did this mm-hmm. but pretend like that didn't happen and now I'm gonna tell That's you right. stuff it's like no man like mm-hmm. like you have to know and ex- you. I feel like you. you ha- there know. has to be this acceptance that you are flawed like a motherfucker has to be. Mm-hmm. and you kind of like with I don't know. It's just it's weird. But they're when... not, dude. They're not. They're not because like because they have the truth, man. Like that's why. That's why they can't. Like I feel like uh, many people who are devout can't do what you're describing, which is admit that they have flaws and and you know like their institution may have flaws. They can't, dude, because they're so right. You know, when you have found the one right religion, dude, like in just a myriad of of religions that we haven't even seen or heard all of, you know, we haven't even mapped all these religions and all these religious beliefs over the entire world. When you know that you found the one, like, like you kind of just feel like God, I imagine, you know, like you have all the answers. Like anyone can ask you anything and you can give them an answer based upon like your one true religion, which is the ultimate truth. Like that's why, like when you have that, like, I kind of feel like I had it all figured out. You know what I mean? I I would be very unlikely to admit like any sort of wrongs. In fact, I'd probably never be wrong because as long as I actually lived everything I did according to the scruples in like my holy book, I'd never think I was wrong, dude. And anything that happened, anyone that got hurt based on anything that I did, I wouldn't care about because I'd be like, no, I'm living the right way. Who cares who I've alienated or what I've done? I'm living the right way. I'd never apologize, dude, if I was so devout. Like, you wouldn't have to. And that's why most of these people don't. I don't think, like, my pastor ever admitted any kind of fault whatsoever to anyone. And maybe in person, sometimes maybe he apologizes to his wife or says, oh, geez, you know, I, this part of my sermon wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. I don't think they got the point I wanted. But never in public, you know, never. Because he's supposed to have all the answers. He does. He's the man. He's the yeah. man. He's got a hotline to God. Like... You have a hotline to God, you know, why admit you're wrong? <laughs> God, yeah, that's interesting. Ah, fucking A. That's what, what I think. Yeah, when did you, uh, when did you, like, uh, jump ship? When did that happen? Um, in college. In college, I stopped going to church all the time. And um, I don't remember how much it was discussed. It was probably discussed behind my back. And... Um, and I just started thinking about stuff, and then just and because I had hit a point where I could no longer, I could no longer um, fill up the emptiness with faith, and I needed some answers to some stuff. And I had sort of, I had sort of gotten to the point where I was like, I do not think that there are answers to these, and I can't square them with with the type of person I want to be. I couldn't anymore, and that's specific to that religion. I'm not talking about like everything in general, um, but um, uh, and. Uh, it was a big it was a big deal dude i remember for a while um i would get it actually caused me to snap at one point like i would get these letters in the mail as i'm getting ready to go as as or actually this started before i was in college because i was at college when the shit really hit the fan so um i'd get these letters in the mail from my pastor that he just typed on a computer you know and they're all official and it's like the pastor like you know da 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 and the elders of the ch- of this church like we, we we i don't remember a very official church language like you will appear at this address and we will and we will have like a conference about about like about 
excommunicating you and ex- you, you might get excommunicate me this is me that they, they want to sit down and talk to me the session the elders like the pastor which is it's like four dudes it's like four fucking guys one of them's like a refrigerator repairman it just it sounds so highfalutin like you'll sit with the elders and we'll discuss potentially excommunicating you dude I haven't been at your church in, in like six months and I don't want to go anymore and I'd get these letters like every two weeks with a new date on them like you will be at this place and we will talk about excommunicating you and it's like why am I going to show up to have you guys excommunicate communicate me <laughs> like, like what what and this continued dude like ad nauseum until finally like i wrote an email to the pastor and i snapped on him a little bit and i was a little bit insulting i said a bunch of stuff none none the least of which was stop sending me these dumb things i'm not coming back to your church excommunicate me if you have to do whatever you want to but don't bother me before you continue you know what's kind of weird <laughs> that's all someone who like uh like this um you can sp- <laughs> you can like talk to god but you can't excommunicate from a distance. Do you know how far God is? God is so high up in the sky. We need to get him within 50 yards. We can't, we cannot, we can't process this excommunication. Yeah, there's not a tower around my area to send the excommunication to you. How does that make any sense? Dude, now I know why they stopped is because eventually they just drove a van like within 25 yards And just excommunicated you from like... Closest T-Mobile Actually, now that I think about it, there was one time I walked out of a Starbucks, like in Fort Collins, Colorado, and I heard I thought I heard someone shout, You're excommunicated! This car just like drove away. I remember. So let it be written, so let it be done! Oh. What? Shit, that's funny. So are you still like, have you not been officially excommunicated then? Um. I don't know. Uh, I believe I have been because okay. because they can't. You know they they won't keep. It's so official to them, dude. Like they won't have someone as a member of the church that's not like active and someone that they consider like their brethren. You know they're gonna they were gonna do it at some point. They just wanted to do it in this very specific way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um? Because I I guess I always like I don't know much about excommunication. I kind of only thought it was like the pope or whatever that could excommunicate people. I didn't know that it was like on the lower level churches or like a regular church that could um, just potentially, yeah. So that's just a term to basically just like kick you out of the church, right? Or like take back your membership. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's something that is mentioned in the Bible. Excommunicate is mentioned in there. I don't recall the exact situation. It's not like something they have like rules from from the Bible or like, but they have like in all their other documents that were made by different sessions at different times in history that they've chosen to be like that this specific denomination has chosen to be like their rule book there are and excommunicating is certainly something that happens when someone messes up when they're sinning like repeatedly without you know any sort of repentance or whatever like that's why you know you can't ha- couldn't have any gay people like in in the church because if they were continuously gay that would mean that they were sinning over and over and over again and so they're going to get excommunicated you know like you could have, you could technically have like a gay guy that never had gay sex in church <laughs> you know like does that could- is that sort of was that fine like within your church i guess or no, it wasn't fine, but like t- like their their concept on it is like you know sinners sin and stuff. Like you can resist the sin, and if you don't, then you're gonna get excommunicated. Mm. You know, like I could have all the doubts. Basically, as much as they look down on me, I could have doubts until the cows come home. As long as I still believed in Jesus and God, and I kept going to church, you know, and I didn't sin against any like I didn't do any really big sins. I could just continue to go there and be a member forever, uh, regardless of whether I actually believed it. You yeah, know, they don't, yeah, they're yeah. not gonna dig that deep into it. I got like, you. But no, like actively, yeah, I'm sure they were 
are happy to excommunicate me. Man, I wonder what that process would be like. Do you know what it, what the process of excommunication is like? Like when you sit in the room and like what happened? No, what I also don't know is am I damned to hell too now? Because was that a part of it? Do they also say like, well, you're fucked? Like, is there also a part like, am, am I with, am I outside of any sort of hope? Oh, I like should get you, some like, papers. Like, do they do that to me? <laughs> you should, yeah. I mean, because it's like uh, I should know what they've done to me. I think it's I think it's well within your right to know what's been done to you, just right. so you know. Like, you're asking me the questions, and I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what they did to me. <laughs> yeah, you should fucking call them, man. You should figure it out if yeah, if you are. I mean, does that mean that like once you're communicated, can you? Like jump back in if you're like oh yeah, yeah fucked dude. Up. oh okay oh man yeah oh, man good. I could show up tomorrow and it would be a great victory like God would like, you know God has worked in a mysterious way like he's been away from the church for like eighteen you know years whatever and he's come back all praise yeah. you know what I mean like that would be great that would be a I great do, victory uh, I do think that that is good I guess like I think you should like uh, the and that's like a story in the Bible right the uh, the, the prodigal the, son the prodigal son right mm-hmm. like it's uh, is it with the, there's two sons and one son goes one away one son goes and the one dad son stays openly like accepts him when he comes mm-hmm. back and, and like, actually he gives him like way more than the other son who stayed which i always thought was bullshit but yeah i uh i think it kind of sucks too for that one son that stayed at home too you must have hated the son that stayed i would fucking like he's such a brown noser fuck yeah that being that like you let this fucker go and do whatever he wanted and now he's back and you're gonna give him all that shit but like yeah i mean i think that's a really beautiful story in the end no it, it truly is and, like it truly uh, is. i did i guess it is good that if you do want to go back uh you can go back i mean if you did decide like but again, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Like, can I walk back into those that building? I have assumed I could, but I don't know what they've done. You might to have me. to open up your own across the street, or so, or move in across the street so they see you. Like, you might have to do something so that they can kind of like notice you, and then eventually we'll let you in. That's true. It won't happen, dude. It won't happen. I'm. It won't happen. Are you like actively looking for like an? Uh like a, a, a spiritual like uh, thing or a religion currently, or like an outlook on life that is sort of. Something? Are you? No. Um, because not... if you are, I can probably point you in the right. Yeah, place. I figured. Yeah, <laughs> I saw your bookshelf. I know this great yeah. church of four dudes. One dude's a fucking refrigerator repair man. Really? They ask me to get people all the time. Yeah, really? Great. Yeah, they're great. Wow. Well, I don't think I can. I don't think I can afford another excommunication. You know, I gotta leave some doors open. I don't want to be excommunicated from every church. No, I feel like, like that the excommunication probably follows the same three strikes on your out policy. I think. Although I got so many strikes, dude. I had so many strikes. Where do you go? There's not like a. So like when it comes to like hell and stuff, right? Or like the like we're play religion. There's like are there uh, are there different levels? Is that like what seven levels of hell is? Or like if someone's like real Some bad versus kind of bad? Is there like are you all? Is there I, like when you were like when you were growing up, right? Was it just like there's one heaven for everybody, there's one hell for everybody? Yeah, I don't know. I, it was always one for me, and I think it is for a lot of people just because it's simpler to understand that yeah. way. But like also, and I could be wrong because I'm not super up on all the and all the holy books. But like, I don't believe there's an ass load of time spent explaining exactly what hell is in any of them. Uh, from what I yeah I, uh, yeah I don't know enough about any of. The I religion. know the Bible doesn't. They talk about like what they have talked about. What they talk about hell actually being like is very very sparse. And in fact, a lot of times it's not totally clear that they're actually talking about hell as a place, or perhaps they're talking about just some sort of like comeuppance for your actions like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolic speech in the bible and people don't realize that because we don't understand that symbolic speech because this is all translated you know they had their own like blue collar sayings that they'd say like out in the desert that would mean nothing to us we might even take them like 40 days and 40 nights (laughs) yeah yeah exactly right like i was telling my wife this yesterday like 40 days and 40 nights they say that all the time in the bible that doesn't mean 40 days and 40 nights like it's it just means a length of time 
It's oh. just like a way, it's a figure of speech that they would use. And people take it literally like, oh, Jonah was in the whale 40 days and 40 nights. How'd he do it? How, what did he eat? Like people actually talk about this shit and it's like, that's not like so that's, that's like yeah so like that's like us like talking about an ass load or whatever and then exactly. like eventually looking at it like well then that means he had that much exact like an actual ass's worth exactly of like, 40 uh, days is the, and 40 nights is the ass load of the old testament <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay interesting interesting i actually was reading something um the man this one person was saying like the idea of purgatory Oh, and yeah. the idea of like reincarnation kind mm-hmm. of have sort of like um, a lot of like through lines. That's I right. Guess. I could see that. Uh, oh man, you know what? I, no, go on. No, that was it. Really, I really, don't, I can't explain beyond that. Tell you what, I love though. I love the idea of reincarnation. Like, I really love the idea. Like, it's there's something, uh, and maybe this is where spirituality comes from in the first place. Is something that. Um, that just like seems like a thing to you that connects in some way but it seems to me like like in all the stories that involve reincarnation even if it's not about like you know like the actual um, any sort of like religious reincarnation like whenever like someone's a lover of someone else and they they die and then they come back as someone else and they have this moment of recognition or whatever like whatever that like I love all that like I just love it and uh, and I think that in a lot of ways like um, I don't know. It just like I, I would love that idea. I'd love, I'd, I'd love that. No, I think it's really a beautiful thing. I mean, maybe it is kind of like a magical thought to think of like someone coming back and something else or whatever. But like, it's kind of beautiful. Like, one of the things yeah. I do really like, or what I think is kind of interesting, and this is like kind of came from like a, a, a Joseph Campbell's like the Power of Myth, but he was talking about like there are certain religions that. Um, consider the people and the things around them on the same plane so like his he he got like real into native american culture mm. um and it seems like there's a lot of similarities when it comes to that like that way of thinking that hinduism also has and buddhism sort mm-hmm. of by way too um which is this idea that like you kind of give everything value so like um if you go to like uh like hindu places there's like little shrines and shit all over the fuck everywhere dude like in bali there's just like fucking little shrines in india fucking shrines everywhere like um <clears throat> Uh, and like trees and you respect all these things because you kind of like think of them almost as holy um and the same with the native americans too so like the reason they did the like uh they would do these like um prayers and um i don't know what's called like little uh basically they would pray to like a buffalo god or whatever was this idea that like the buffalo god is sending the buffalo for you to eat Mm -hmm. and then you might die in the Mm-hmm. course of um like trying to hunt the buffalo right but that's part of that whole cycle um and you're giving like you're giving value to the buffalo so you're not just like killing the buffalo indiscriminately because you understand that it's part of this larger cycle where there's someone sending this for you and with hinduism like just like respecting everything because like there are stories where like um this isn't like a really specific thing but like there's like a stone and you're not supposed to like step on the stone or whatever because mm-hmm. the stone is actually a god or a person that's like sort of like locked in that stone or whatever that's a very loose probably not real sort of story but like kind of that idea that like everything is holy and so you then maybe act a little differently like um whatever not chopping down all these trees indiscriminately yeah. or like whereas other religions sometimes if you that. put yourself above it then you don't think you have to that's right respect that stuff you know what actually is kind of crazy what kind of uh, so um there's this really cool radio lab uh, okay. episode called From Tree to Shining Tree. Sure. Where they talk about the networks that exist um, underground of trees. 
hmm. um, in like a forest or whatever, where there's like multiple different types of trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what they found is that like the trees will allocate resources if a, a, a younger tree or an older tree needs resources, one tree will almost like sacrifice its resources and somehow send it to that other tree. Um, there's these like mushrooms and shit that are at the bottom of trees. And the mushrooms, like they'll break down stuff so that the trees can get nutrients. So like they found like a salmon DNA within trees because like bears will eat salmon. They'll leave the bones. Mm-hmm. The mushroom will eat it up. And then they'll fucking like, then the nutrients will go into the trees. So I listened to that and it was fucking crazy, like blew my mind. Um, and then like I went for a run last summer and I saw a tree like cut down and there was a part of me that like, I felt fucking sad. It was like really weird to be like, oh shit, like that shit, they, I mean, I don't know if they have like feelings or whatever, but it's like they're doing something that mm-hmm. is, we can, we can put into words that make us on like human actions and what mm-hmm. we do and like, all right, man, maybe we are the same so maybe we need to kind of look at like how we do stuff i mean obviously i make messes and i do stuff that like isn't good for the environment but like at least kind of the beginning i think should be like all right let's we're all kind of in this shit together and Mm -hmm. like just because trees don't talk or whatever like Mm -hmm. let's kind of look at how we're not like it almost seems like we're here to fucking like ruin stuff and it's like we're with this this sort of a like we maybe throw shit in the ocean like nobody gives a fuck and like and then pretend like it's not going to fuck with stuff eventually like mm-hmm. and that's maybe where i'm like i like that idea of spirituality and like sort of this connectedness even if it isn't like just like sort of respecting little things that you see mm-hmm. it's an awesome episode you should it'll fuck yourself really? just 30 minutes of just like it's wild dude it's just like mm-hmm. they just they, they, they said that like they compare it to like the neurons in a brain like mm-hmm. and i don't know they're really good at making things huh. like, awesome in that like that that's huh. cool i you know what dude i fucking knew trees were up to something <laughs> like i've always you and mark Wahlberg. that's right me and mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah stick your head in the wind <laughs> like <laughs> yeah me and mark Wahlberg. i never trusted them i never trusted them <laughs> i never did what was it about trees that you didn't trust uh, just the fact that they're just they're just they're just so silent and judgy you know what I mean and like they're clearly standing up to above uh, standing above and they're clearly up to something because like you said I didn't know that thing about like this uh, this crazy underground network of like weird tree orgies and and like you have saving they some their, trees they put their keys in the bowl they put their keys <laughs> yeah of course like no I don't know there's just some there's always been something about trees they're old as Fuck, dude! I was and they get really old too. It's like this old. I was looking up some like old ass trees, dude. They're like thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah, people die all the time when they're snowboarding because they hit trees. <laughs> Skiing too. I wanted to do this sketch where I was all of these different trees that have killed people from skiing and just like apologize, like, "Look, I'm sorry, but I'm fucking." I can't move, man. Like, you shouldn't yeah. run into me. Yeah, uh, that's funny. I did a sketch. Uh, at, actually, at the OGM, we did this. Uh, me and this other guy were trees, and it was really fun because we were both standing there talking about how, like, it sucks to be a tree, and then other people would come on and, like, like uh, this cute couple, like, mm. drew on me, but, oh, like, right. they didn't obviously realize that I was screaming on the inside, mm-hmm. and I was getting pissed, and it was really fun. I was like, God damn, dude, like, mm-hmm. it must fucking suck to be a tree. Yeah, they're underrepresented, too, in comedy. <laughs> I'm out for the trees, baby. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about? I was like, um, I was, <clears throat> when I was younger, I was like, I wonder what hell would be like. And like my hell would be being stuck in my mind, mm-hmm. but inside the body of a fish. Where like, mm-hmm. you can't do anything. Like you're just in the brain of a dumb fucking fish. Mm-hmm. And you got to see this fish do stupid stuff and people do stupid stuff. But you have to be stuck in your own brain. Huh. And that sounds terrible to me. 
Yeah, that does sound terrible. Now maybe a tree would be the same thing if you're just there. Maybe at least you're outside in nature, so maybe that's kind of cool. Yeah. I think that would be a little less bad, but like... Yeah. I feel like you'd chill out a ton, like if you were a tree, you know, I feel like you'd just chill, you know, I feel like you'd drop down. But if you had your own mind inside that of a tree... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what my personal hell would be like. You know, I think that there's something to like the things that really like hit me are like is when in movies or books or whatever when they sort of represent the idea of hell as sort of like a never-ending thing like a wheel that goes around and you don't really realize it like there's an episode of black mirror about this sort of too it wasn't hell but it was um, a punishment for a crime where like you basically okay. relive something over and over and over again ad nauseum and don't really remember it and there's no i just finished a series of books too where you learn like basically the whole story was a wheel and like well that's you, a rune that now nah, i can't read well i didn't tell you what it was i'll think you probably figure it out if you <laughs> no you if you know me you could probably figure it out it's a long series i'll, I'll say that. it's a long series yeah. where there's um a main character who is not that great of a person but they're on a quest right he's not that great and it's, it's a single-minded quest and he's going to continue to go no matter what until he gets to where he's going to go and um, and he actually ends up saving basically like reality along the way, but it's almost ancillary to his quest. Like he just had to like help these people along the way, sort of. Uh. And, to, and and so and then at the end, basically, he thinks that he has reached the end of his quest, and he's got to this place that he's been trying to get to. And then he finds that it, it's taking it's, it takes him right back to the beginning of his quest. And there's oh, no that's redemption. Awesome. There's no yeah. And so then it's so nuts, dude. Because then you think about it, and you're like, oh my god, all those times during this epic quest, I thought maybe he's not that great of a person, but he's being ruthless because he has to achieve this quest. You realize that's what's going to continue to drive him in this never-ending loop. It's that very quality, and like maybe he's not a good person. He never has been. Like and so and so, it's all about like I think that would be a hell that would be very very terrible because in a way like knowing that it's hell can only torture you so much the fact that you don't really even know but you there's no redemption there's no end the pain happens again and again or it's new pain and it's different pain which could be what we're living you know that's what's scary yeah. about it like <laughs> it could be what this it could be <laughs> like, that is awesome yeah because you're right i mean like if you know like i mean i feel like that's like once you can accept your reality things become a lot easier regardless of what that reality is right and like so yeah, I mean, if you accept that you're in hell at some point, that shit's not going to burn as much anymore. But if you don't fucking know, oh my god. Something like that. Like, That's something like trip. that. Yeah, and who knows? Like, because they also, like, have, like, they have this stuff in the, in the story where they're talking about, like, or you'll see jokes about, like, oh, um... Like, who cares about my life? I was only created to be a character in one panel of a comic strip, you know? But, like, but like they have this whole life basically inside of that. Like, I always think, like, that could be what I am. Like, what if, like, oh, I had this thought yesterday, dude. This is so crazy, and there's no reason for this to be true. But, like, what if I, because I love sitcoms, what if I am a character in, like, a sitcom, and there are moments in my life that are, like, the on-camera, like, that's the sitcom, you know, that's it. But everything else is just in-between scenes of, like, the sitcom, and no one cares about it, and I'm just struggling through, and maybe it's I'm even a fictional character on a sitcom. So all this is just the in-between. This is good, though. This might be part of the actual episode this right here at least like it's too it's probably too long <laughs> but like at times like i feel like this would be part of the main storyline hopefully unless there's like a better podcast happening at the same time like ah oh, fuck that we'll just use theirs instead yeah well because i mean alternatively i'd be sitting at home like in my underwear you know and that certainly would not be i went to see a chris D'Elia about a year ago or whatever but he had a very similar thought which was like uh how do i know that i'm not just in the background of someone else's like movie 
Right? Yeah, like, and like, you popped up for one reason in one scene. Yeah, and now you have to live out your life because you've been created, and this is it. Ooh, wow! You know, as you were talking about hell, so I saw Rory Scovel recently. I don't know if you've ever seen his stand-up. I have not. So uh, he uh, just—he's on a tour called the Proper Gander Tour. I don't know if this is turning into a Netflix bus or not, but dude, it was <laughs> so good. Like he was just talking a lot about uh, like heaven and hell and mushrooms and christianity and like whatever but like he was saying he's like we, people say like have, hell is gonna be a bad thing but like don't you think they're gonna be excited for you and don't you think you're kind of gonna be excited when you get there too you kind of know like that you're supposed to go there i think right mm-hmm. like and so it's like it's not gonna be as bad as you think it's gonna probably be pretty chill because they've been waiting for you why would they want to torture you and like i don't know maybe there will be a fucking party down there yeah and and you gotta think too i mean like a lot of like the representations of hell are from like you know a long time ago where like the you're you're thinking like what's the worst thing possible i don't know just endless torture right because like as a human in this form like sure like torture you know for any number of days would be fucking terrible you know but i don't understand like why like after you die and you completely leave behind this mortal coil you know maybe or like or at least this version of like reality you're gonna leave so then why would like a punishment there be based on the same thing that sucks here you know what i mean it's like you just can't talk about Whatever happens after death, dude, I just think there's no way to express it. Because it could be anything that words cannot even approach. You know, that our minds cannot even approach. And ultimately, we'll never fucking know, dude. Like, we'll never know while we're alive. So, like, suffering may not even exist. You know, and if it does, it could be something completely different than physical pain. We're putting, yeah, like, this, like, our understanding mm -hmm. of suffering and pain. On something that may be ununderstandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really At least to us right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you some improv questions. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, How did you get into improv? What, uh, how what, did how did you get into what improv? Is improv? What is improv? <laughs> no, improv is a when you um, well one group will come up and um, we'll take a suggestion from the audience and then uh-huh. we'll perform a twenty to twenty five minute piece based uh-huh. on that suggestion. Something you will um, never see again. It's sort of just uh-huh. for you, and then we throw uh-huh. it out the way. Uh-huh. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten penis. I don't think. No, I have. I've gotten dildo a ton too. Um, your question. I'm sorry. What was your question? Uh, penis. Uh, my question was <laughs> penis. Uh, <laughs> question is penis. So we used to play this game in high school called penis, where you would uh, just go down the hall. Go on. Where <laughs> <laughs> you would go down the hall, and uh, you would just uh, incrementally yell the word penis louder and louder and louder, and just play chicken with each other. Um, and there was this one guy, uh, Tom Mortensen, who was real good at penis because he would just scream it recklessly and didn't care how loud he was. That's it. <laughs> You can't talk about that like ever. You can't talk about how you won the how you won penis. You know, like I don't know later, what Thomas Morrison is doing now, but he's he was he's killing. A champion of he, penis. Was, he was a champion of penis, <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Uh, how long? Uh, is that what you said? I said, how, how did you get into improv? Oh, how long is how long him? is your penis? How long is my uh... <laughs> penis? <laughs> Um, I um two inches. I (laughs) I um got into uh, improv. I got into um uh over probably about fourteen years ago now. Um, Oh shit! It's been a long time. It's been a long time because I because I because I've been here for quite a while now in Chicago and. and uh, I got into improv in my freshman year of college, and so I lived. Uh, I finished college, and then I lived in that town, Fort Collins, going to Colorado State University. So I lived there for five years, all told. Four years of college, one year of saving the money to move here, 
So during my freshman year, um, actually, it's funny. It was the first thing I got into at college. It was the first thing that college gave me was improv. Um, I was like on the quad or like somewhere where there were a lot of students walking around and I knew no one, you know, like my, some of my friends were potentially going to go to CSU, but they didn't like graduate yet. Uh, or I thought maybe my brothers would, they didn't end up doing that. But, um, first day friends with like uh, kindergartners, is that why it just like it took, that's right. It took them a long time. Yeah. And then, you know, people, yeah, yeah. Couldn't be seen in public with my kindergartner <laughs> friends. Um, yeah, it's a really judgmental town outside of yeah. <laughs> But um, no, it was like, and they had a game, and they were like, "Oh, come over here, fresh, come over here, everybody! Hey, it's the first day of classes. Come and play the stupid wheelbarrow game. You need a partner." And I'm standing there, and I'm lonely, and I'm a fucking nerd, you know, on my first day of college, and I think that college is going to be like something like I've seen in a million movies and like TV shows. I've been pretty sheltered up until this point, you know. I don't know. I imagine there's parties and girls. I just have to like get out there and like. I have to do stuff. I have to make things happen. And so I look around and I see this fucking tall, like kind of like awkward kid standing there, just like kind of like listening, but kind of not. And I was like, you want to do this? And he's like, yeah. And so we do it and we didn't win. And we're talking after that. And it turned out this, this guy was, uh, he, he came a good uh, friend of mine and he was um, uh, a sophomore, but he also didn't have that many friends. He also lived off campus. I was living off campus at the time. And he, and we just right there after talking after the thing, we we're like, we should hang out. Let's hang out. And I was like, great fucking a, I found my first friend at college, like on my first day, which was great. And, um, uh, the next time I talked to him, we just got coffee or something. It was like a friend date. It was so lame. We were so lame. And he mentioned um, this improv class. He said, you want to go to this improv class? I saw a poster for it. It's taught through the college. It's called like IA Improv Acting um, at Colorado State. You should come. And I was like, what's the purpose of it? And he was like, I don't know, I guess to learn to be funny. And I was like, I could, I, I could learn to be funny. <laughs> I've always liked kind of being funny just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kept on doing it. Oh, cool. And then you just like continued. Was ever like, do you have any breaks or anything? Or you just kind of been... No, I've been doing it the whole time. I mean, uh, the the... I don't remember the exact moment that I decided I loved it so much that it was going to be a huge part of my life. In fact, dictating like where I would then move. And as a matter of fact, like what my next life move would be, you know, it was my next life move after college was not to go after a job or to find any sort of any kind of solidity in my life. I just knew at that time, like improv matters so much to me and I have to be taught by the best teachers. Where are they? You know, and and I had decided it was Chicago after speaking to a lot of people I had heard, you know, maybe I'll like California better. Maybe I'd like LA better. They have a lot of great improv there too. Maybe New York. I'm not sure. I hadn't been to any of these places, but everyone seemed to say the best teachers were in Chicago. And all I cared about dude was being the best improviser that I could be. And I needed the best teachers for that. So I've been, and I've been here ever since oh, man. I actually came to love Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know anyone in Chicago before? I knew sort of one guy who was in IA, actually, and he put out the, an invitation to us. He said, if you want to come and visit Chicago, because he knew he was, we were thinking about moving here, he said, you can stay with me. You can stay with me. So I didn't really know this guy, but he took us to a show at IO um, where he was playing at the time. I don't even remember this guy's name, you know? Like, he was not, like, a real friend of ours, but, you know, sort of that improv community thing. Like, he knew we had just joined the group as he was leaving to Chicago and reached out years later, which was so cool. Um, and he and his fiance were like just so accommodating to like three bums, like eighteen year old kids from Colorado, like showing up trying to smoke weed in his house, like, <laughs> like in Chicago. And our car broke down, and he had to come and jump our car because our car would die almost every time we turned off the engine. So he had to come and jump our car where we were like broken down over by Wrigley Field. <laughs> and he was so nice. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's cool, man. When did you, uh, was there like, a, did you start doing shows pretty soon after taking classes? Yeah. Um, as soon as I could. Um, I auditioned for a couple groups that were in town and I did not get cast on them for this my first in, audition like in, Col- in Colorado yeah. while I was still in college, you know, two years or so after I had begun doing it. Didn't get into them. And then eventually I was taken as like an alternate for this one group who would do shows for students during like student orientation at, at the university. They didn't have enough players one night and so I was alternate and so I went and did it. And dude, like this is going to sound like pretentious or like I think highly of myself. I don't. I hate myself. But like, um, like I fucking murdered it on that show. And it was one of the first times I had been in front of an audience doing it. It was a decent audience. Most of them were even paying attention for college freshmen anyway. And like I, like I just went out there and everything I did was fire and I was on fire and I didn't, and I didn't know that I could roll like that. Because, you know, when you're in classes or whatever, it's like one game or it's a limited mm-hmm. amount of time. I didn't know that I could roll like that. And I had a lot of stage time. There are not that many people here. And I just remember getting off stage at the end of that and just being like, I can fucking do this. Like, I was better than most of those people out there, and I had no idea. I did not know how that was going to go. And so that gave me so much confidence, and it really showed me, like, what I loved about it, which was playing. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. need to play. I've always needed to play ever since that. Mm. Yeah, know? that's a... Yeah, that's a... I had a... The first time I did a show, too, like... uh I was scared like a motherfucker, but like after I came off, I was like, "That was wild." Because I did, I took classes for a year um, before ever doing a show and like doing anything in front of people, and it was a very similar thing. It's like class is like a do one thing, get off, do one thing, and then you do you basically do like two things in class, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And like um, I'm very big on I read the flow of a show, and like that rolling thing is such a different feeling because you kind of get like if I if for me like a good show is like if almost a wave is sort of I'm flowing along. It's just kind of like happening and shit. And like, that's such a crazy feeling. And to finally realize like I can roll like that. It's it, it, like, it's those, that feeling has kind of made me relook at like everything else in my life and how everything else makes me feel. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's really nothing that makes me feel the same way. Like improv does. So like, it's just like, I'm always kind of trying to like almost, and I don't know if this is right or wrong. It's like, as I'm doing things, I'm like, Oh, okay this is fun but now i know that like almost to like when people i don't know like i feel like when people find religion or whatever there's like they found this sort of like higher level and then like i feel like improv has showed me like yeah. this you thought fun was at 10 but fun mm-hmm. or whatever is like now at 15 so now everything mm-hmm. is like oh fuck okay maybe i don't want to do this as much anymore mm-hmm. like and it's i don't know it's, it's it's like it's like the best thing in my life and it's also made things a little weird because it's like oh I, like it's made me relook at fucking everything that i do and it's like all right maybe i need to change up how i do some stuff like i don't know it's crazy man yeah it is and it's so and you know i feel um angry a lot like that like it's not respected in the way that i think improv it is as as it should be as an art and it's treated by a, a lot of the time by the people who do it as a means to an end you know like it's like yeah i went to chicago and yeah i learned improv but like i really want to be on main stage at Second City, uh, like doing s- script work. That's really what I want to do. Or like my dream is to be on Saturday Night Live, or to write for Conan, or whatever. Like they'll do improv, and the, and it'll carry them for as long as like they feel you know that it's helpful. You know, okay, cool. So now I can improvise slightly. You know, I can make up jokes more quickly on the fly. It helps my interactions. Like da da da. But now I'm moving on. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think only people that like want to do improv for doing improv should be able to do improv. Everyone should be able to do it. You know, regardless of why or who you know um but like 
it just it's overlooked so much that I don't believe it's given and it's understood as like its own entity enough and not enough people pour enough energy into it to make it good across the board because dude if you fucking google improv i think i've talked to you about this if you google like is improv any good or whatever on the internet if you you start reading on the internet like about improv dude which i had never done and i did about two years ago like i was so shocked dude these pages started coming up and everyone's like improv sucks improv is terrible improv is sexist that was one thing i read a lot of like articles about and i completely see where they're coming from and what they mean by that um, at least in certain situations, but like um, people think improv sucks, dude, and because it can and it does, and a lot of people who do it don't care enough about it, don't care enough about what it means to be good at it. They don't study hard enough. They don't go to enough classes. They don't start performing. They don't play enough. They don't play enough to get better. Like it is, it does suck a lot of the times. Like, I mean, you, I feel like we've both been like in our own like. like I've done garbage. I've done terrible, terrible. So yeah, of it course. absolutely sucks. They're of course, horrible. I've watched horrible, horrible shows. I've and, and and I've done some, you know, yeah, and, and I've done some. And but like, but but I kept on playing. And and when I had those shows, like I always thought to myself, like, you're a piece of fucking shit, Keegan. You're a piece of shit. Figure this out. So this doesn't happen again. Like, and I wouldn't beat myself up, but I'd be like, you're a piece of shit. Why did that go to hell? What did you do? Like, why did you not like it? And I'd think about it a lot. And so then, like, maybe it wouldn't happen the next time. Do you have, like, um, so, like, I find, like, if I've come out, like, not happy with the show, mm-hmm. a lot of it is, um, like, uh, I, like, look at myself as, like, why didn't I like that show? And uh, most of the time, at least for me, it's, like, because I didn't put forth, I didn't give it my all. I sort of, like, half ass Like, I didn't move on first instinct. I didn't just try and openly go there. I didn't let the wave take me. I stood back and resisted against the wave. And that's almost always been the thing. Because, like, even if things don't land, I can accept that if I'm trying my hardest or I'm really putting it all out there. Like, because then I can't control if you laugh or not. That's out of my control. It's Mm -hmm. to some degree, I guess, right? But, like, uh, I can control my effort and my, like, listening skills and my sort of moving on first instinct and that's the shit that like fucks me up and I go home and I'm like oh god damn it and I mean that just happens because sometimes I just don't feel that good or I don't feel it or like I just don't feel as motivated or don't want to or I don't know whatever but like that Mm -hmm. for me at least like so what is it for you or do you have like a through of like when you're like fuck you like do you have something that kind of that I I get frustrated about like when I don't hit it um yeah uh, uh it's um well, I've I've beaten myself up before over certain choices that I've made that I that I, I thought weren't clear or that like someone misread or like um, didn't like because they didn't get it or something. But like, but um, the main what most of those situations had in common was like I I get pissed when I get um like I get scared and I like don't fully like commit to something when I like half swing at something, you know, like that really bugs me. And some people will say like, Oh, well you can't like when you're doing comedy, when you're doing improv specifically, like you can't, you can't swing for a home run every time. You can't always do that. You know, you're going to run yourself out or sometimes the scene doesn't call for you to swing that hard, you know? And I completely disagree. I think everything that you need to do on stage needs to be you swinging for a home run. That doesn't mean everything you're doing is you're being a fucking maniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it just means that, like, if you're being, like, that quiet, 
um, romantic roommate that's in love with somebody or whatever, like you're going to play that a hundred percent. You're not going to like half-ass it because you're like, eh, I don't know, I didn't choose to be in this sort of situation. Oh, I really don't like romantic comedies, which is where I'd sort of like see this person. Nah, I don't know, you know, like you're no, you're yeah. going to find something that you love about that. You're going to dive into it completely. Sure. Any time that like I don't do that, or like halfway through a scene, I'm like who am I? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> then I get pissed at myself. Yeah. And I'll remember that after the show and I'll be like, why didn't I just commit to that a hundred percent? Why didn't I throw myself into it? Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. if I mess it up and I've thrown myself in a hundred percent, like I'm totally gone. I don't I'm not Keegan anymore. I'm fucking like, I'm fucking like old Joe, the guy on the farm who fucks stumps. Like who cares how dumb the scene is and how many stumps he fucks, how many stupid bloody penis jokes he tells As that we now no talk one, about <laughs> the, the, the sadness of a tree. Now they're getting fucked by old Joe. <laughs> These are improv trees. You know, I would never... Old Joe wouldn't... I think the best way to describe it is my favorite character that I've done recently. I did at one of a, a rehearsal, that, one of our rehearsals for, for our team. Um, I don't remember if you were there or not, um, but I... I played this bird man. He was like a bird, half human, half bird type guy. I don't know. There's no real explanation for this. But all he did, dude, was like lay on the ground and say he was an abomination <laughs> and he hurt and asked people to kill him. <laughs> That's like all he would do. Yeah. He would beg to be killed. <laughs> like, okay. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much because all it was was it was just it was a hundred percent of something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. never gonna look back on that and be like, well, that was dumb. Even if it didn't get laughs, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna beat myself up over it. I yeah. was in it. You know, I was yeah. a fucking bird person. Well, you're like real. One of the things I like like watching about you plays you like uh, very quickly jump into character. And you did this when we would coach. Like you really stressed like fucking. It doesn't matter what, but try to like at least be in character almost from jump because so many scenes like uh i guess you you stressed a lot and correct me if i'm mm-hmm. wrong like uh don't be scared if you have nothing because everything like you can turn anything into like a character like mm-hmm. the way you're standing when you don't have shit in your head is mm-hmm. is a thing yeah the way you're thinking is a thing the like a- anything could be a thing and you do a really good job of like from jump like being a character, whether a physicality, like you don't just come onto the like stage blank, right? Um, and that's that's like so. And I think a lot. I mean, I think as you get like a, as I've gotten better at improv, like I can quickly go from blank to turning it into something. But like, there's still that like a few second gap mm-hmm. that like you just the, you don't allow that gap to happen. It's really cool you to feel walk. that with faith, my brother. You, feel that you with- do like <laughs> you kind of do. You kind of do because like because so you good. truly you truly don't have anything. And so <laughs> what I do, you hit on it exactly. You you know how much of a genius I am. Yeah, Clearly, you're describing. No, I'm just um, no. Uh, but you're right. Like I never, I try never to enter a scene without anything. I try to give myself one thing. I always try to give myself one thing because I know that there is a space of nothing. There's you'll never know everything about a scene that's about to happen because you're going to create it all with another person. So they're completely unpredictable, you know? Like, they could do whatever. Um, and so there's always that space of unknowing and you have to fill it with something. You might as well fill it with faith, like, in yourself and in the process. So give yourself something, whether it's just, like, a way to walk on stage or just a certain mindset, like, oh, I just watched a movie where there's a greasy mobster. I'm walking out here with a greasy mobster mentality. You know, just fill that space with faith, like... 
in yourself and in something that you have. Yeah. Like the only like you'll only fuck yourself up if if you walk out there blank all the time. And you can't do that all the time. Like you're going to, you're gonna you're gonna create, but you might as well start with something. You might as well bring something to the table. Is that like when you like watch like newer improvisers? Is that like something that always like what sticks out to you when you're watching like newer improvisers that like you kind of just like wish you could like shake out of them? Is it is that it? Yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it. New or maybe even any improviser, I guess. Any like, improviser, yeah. yeah. Well, newer newer actually like as long as they have a passion for improv, I see a lot of things I like from newer improvisers because they have true joy. And I think that having joy in what you're doing and really loving the scene that you're doing, loving the art goes a long way to its success. So in a way I have more beefs with like older school guys or like people that have been playing for quite a while who sometimes who's play with like a smirk on their face. You know what I mean? Like I know I'm good. I've done this so much. I don't really have to try anymore. I don't have to play like any sort of characters really. I can just sort of like play myself because I'm funny enough. And they probably are. They are a lot of the time. They're so funny. You know, they don't have to do anything like outside of sort of be a snarkier or more vocal version of themselves. They don't have to. But does that mean that they then shouldn't try and play any characters ever? Because I expect to see characters at a show. I expect to see acting, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that they should. I think that they always should. So, like, any sort of complacency really fucking bugs me too, dude. Yeah, you know? And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're right. If someone doesn't dive into something fully, I'm not going to like that either. But, like, really, I, I guess I'd say complacency and not finding joy in it. Those are the things that bug me the most. <clears throat> yeah. Also, as you were saying that too, like um, on the shows where I'm not like giggling on the sideline, that sometimes that'll be like me. I'll kind of look back and be like, "All right, you definitely weren't paying attention, or you weren't having as fun." Because like I, I do really struggle with like not like it's hard for, and maybe this isn't good acting, but like shit makes me laugh so much. Like there's so many scenes you and I have done, or like anyone on any team I'm on, like people mm-hmm. make me fucking laugh, and I, I, I want to always. I have no problem breaking character, I guess, a little bit. Like, I... Because it makes me so fucking happy to do that. Like, and it is kind of... It's very... Like, when I watch, like, teams perform and you can see them, like, making each other laugh. Like, I love watching that because it's like, oh, they're actually having a good time. And mm-hmm. then, like, watching Joy on stage is really infectious, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it is kind of sad and it kind of sucks when you're just watching, like... Where you can almost... It's kind of palpable that they're... The people aren't having fun on stage. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking watch that yep. shit. I don't want to watch people have a good time. I'm here to, like, enjoy mm-hmm. myself. Like... Yeah, dude, and improv audiences too, like we've talked about this, like improv audiences, like they want you to succeed more than almost any other audience. In almost any other audience, there's like an element of schadenfreude sort of, where like if you don't do super good, it might be kind of like funny, it might be kind of like nice, like people kind of want to see other people fail sometimes, especially if they're rich and famous. You know, look at all these people laughing their asses off at um, Fergie right now because of like her national anthem thing. You know, like, and that sucked. To be fair, that was a fucking, that was a terrible national anthem. I haven't watched it yet. That's terrible. Okay. You don't have to. It's terrible. But everyone just loves to tear her down. You know, like, and an, an improv audience, like, they want you to succeed so hard because they know you're making it up, and they're putting their hopes and dreams in you. They're living so vicariously through you as a player that, like, if you mess up, if you feel awkward, they feel awkward. That's the other reason people don't like improv, dude, is because they feel awkward. You know, I've had someone, I've had multiple people yep. tell me that that they don't like yep. to go to shows because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Yep comfortable because they're identifying with the people on stage and they're empathizing with their own awkwardness when things don't work that's why it's happening and so that's why i always say like basically if you want to succeed at improv the only thing you have to do is is have complete confidence in yourself and completely commit to your characters if you do that i always say you will not fail you may not be the funniest motherfucker on stage you know but like you will not fail and nobody will like 
nobody will think back on your scenes and try and pick them apart because you are fully there. You are a hundred percent there. You had full faith. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't like tone down any of your characters. You, you didn't think too much. You didn't get awkward. There's no awkwardness there. So nobody felt awkward. All they felt was you on a roll and you were saying stuff. It yeah, yeah, didn't yeah, all yeah, hit yeah. with them, but like, like that's the only way to fail at improv almost, I think is to allow yourself to fail. You like, uh, in a rehearsal once you described it as like uh, you used the, the like skateboarding on a half pipe like when you um, like uh, I've never I've skateboarded once on my friend's skateboard and we tried to do ollies and we mm-hmm. were both bad and so we never we did it one day but like uh, the, the, you were talking about like uh, going in on a half pipe and it's like you will if you lean back you will fall. You have to lean forward or like hard forward. Yep. And you when you drop of, in on a half, yeah. Pipe. When yep. you drop in on a half up, you have to lean forward, and that's like kind of the when you're going in for a character, you have to like really lean into that character, that's and right. only then like will come the like clarity and the confidence and like yeah, that's uh, that's right. It's that shit. It's I mean, it's a it's really so like for me like improv has been like a thing where. Like school and stuff has come pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Like I've just been—I'm not like a fucking genius, but school just has always been really easy, um, or it just kind of happened. And I like did good and like got good grades and sort of mm-hmm. made it all the way through pharmacy school, like without really any struggle. And so like improv has been really interesting because it's like hard, it's frustrating, it has so many struggles, but it's like it's fucking terrifying. And it's also like, but the clarity that comes from it and the feeling is like, as I said, like there's nothing like it for me. And it's like really good for me to like uh have that kind of struggle and that like potentially like having a terrible show or like that feeling of like oh i fucked up like how can i get better and sort of like Mm -hmm. that driver to kind of continue to improve because you were talking about complacency earlier and like Mm -hmm. that's something that i am terrified of just in life in general complacency comfortability however you want to word it just like accepting and being okay with just this this is the state and i'm fine with it and it's like i don't want that ever i want to continue to improve and improv like uh like for me, like improv has been like a, a change in lifestyle. It isn't just like now. It is. It started yeah. off as this like cool thing I did that I would tell people about because it was like how many people just outside of the improv community and before I met in improvisers and I was just hanging out with like whatever regulars and it's like not many people did improv. So it was a really when I was taking classes, it was like a really cool thing to tell people and like I did my first class and people were like oh that's really fun and someone asked me are you going to continue? I was like I don't know. I'll just I don't know if I'm going to keep taking classes or I'm going to keep doing shows and eventually like. I realized like this is a fucking lifestyle shift. Mm-hmm. Like there was like I kind of look at sort of the myself and it's like that that it, the beginning of improv has opened up this whole like thing, um, mm-hmm. and it's been so vital and important that mm-hmm. like as you're saying it's an underrepresented thing. I think it really really is. Like I so I've been trying to just like I mm-hmm. talk about it so much and it, mm-hmm. because it's so fucking important. Like yeah. I think every like that. Uh, I, I I don't know if everyone needs improv, but I feel like everyone should find their whatever improv is to them. Something that opens yep. up their fucking worldview or opens up just their like opens a new door of like a life that I think like more people need to fucking dabble into somehow. Fuck yeah, dude. I I, I fully agree with that. Um I actually have a thought about that, but I have to piss so bad. Oh, sure. I have to piss so bad. Please 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 pee, pee as much as you need to. We're gonna we'll take this into the bathroom. Really? Yeah. Do you have a bathroom mic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's put your balls on it and I can <laughs> listen to what your balls have to Is say. This the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I legitimately got lost. You bit you went into the bathroom earlier today. Every episode has a pee break where I sing to you. 
And then you sing to yourself while you're sitting in your home. I want to eat a scone, toast that scone, put some butter on a scone. I don't have any scones in my home, but I do have some bread. It's not red. I'd love some red velvet. Love some red velvet cake. Yes, I would. Um, so I guess this would be a good time to ask how you were doing. How's your day? You doing okay? I'm doing alright. I'm doing. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. He's still peeing. He's still peeing a lot. It's crazy. Or he's making those sounds out of his mouth. That'd be interesting. If he was making pee sounds out of his mouth. I wonder what the life skill and purpose would be if he was knowing how to pee out of his mouth. Not pee out of his mouth, but just make the sound of pee from his mouth. That'd be a weird skill. But it'd be kind of cool. It'd be sort of a unique skill to have. Maybe something I should consider. Maybe it's something you should consider. You know, as you were peeing, I was thinking I should probably pee too. Nice dude. I'm like not good at holding my pee in, man. How long do you like these to run? Just until I feel like I don't want to talk anymore. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of let them go until it seems like they should be done. There's really no sort of particular way. This video gets out. I want you to know I'm here against my will. I was drinking with Chirag last night. And I think he put something in my drink. And I woke up here. And there's this microphone in my face. And he's been asking me questions for hours. And I just want my mommy. Oh my god, he's coming. You know what, like, um, uh, what you just said sort of resonated with me because it's interesting, like, er earlier today I was, and I still sometimes think to myself, like, you know, like, do I want, do I want spirituality? How can I find it? Like, that sort of thing, you know, that we were talking about. However, like, I think in a lot of ways, like, the improv has provided that for me. Like, I feel a lot of the same things that you do when you're talking about, like, it's not just something I do. It's not a pastime. It's, it's, it's not comedy. It's, it's sort of a lifestyle. And it informs your life when you're also not doing it. And, um, and the sort of, like, like, plain elevating feeling of it, I have that too. Like, when I'm on stage and I'm, and I'm seemingly, like, just becoming someone who is not myself to the point where... I have no idea who, where I am. Like it's like being on shrooms so far and you're so far or like on acid or LSD or whatever and you're so far gone you forget like who you actually are. That's what it is like when you're inside a character so much and like it's so refreshing and energizing and it makes you feel like you can do so much, you know? Yeah. It's such a powerful feeling and, um, and I've carried that over into my life a lot because I don't have that much confidence. Like in general, I wasn't born with a ton of confidence. Um and um and uh like it it kind of has given me way more confidence improv has well i've like i've always been blown like when i as i sort of started delving into the community a little deeper and like realizing like um like i kind of always thought like everyone that went on stage was like mad confident in life and like the reality is is like 
the stage is where people find the clarity and the confidence and the real life is like they're like awkward or just like not even just like quiet not everyone is like a fucking superstar off stage like you go on stage and you watch these people fucking light up and play all these characters fearlessly Mm -hmm. and then they come off on stage and they like almost make themselves like smaller and are kind of just like right that's right it blew my mind initially because and i but i see that in myself like Mm -hmm. i do stuff on stage like i'm um I struggle with confidence a little bit too. I'm pretty good in like in talking to people and I do have some level of confidence, but like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's still like, there's the stuff I do on stage. Like is, I sort of am surprised by what I do on stage and, um, like, like, Oh my God, I fucking, what? Yeah. Like, like yesterday, like I pretended to put on a skirt and shook my ass and stuff (laughs) in front of people. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like it's, but it's wild to, to, to see that, but it's really, yeah, I don't know. It's a, that's like the stuff that I want. Like I, people should be able to see themselves do shit that they had no idea that they were going to ever do Mm -hmm. or even had the capacity to be able to do. Or like you said, in like a psychedelic experience, like, dude, I've had rehearsal. There was this like one that sticks in my mind where like we were in um me and it was it was uh, on a team before you became my coach sure um and me and this other guy was were like in a 1920s jail or whatever like an old english fucking early 1900s sure. jail and like i like fucking could see it was like in my what i was seeing was like a basement and it was dark and like water was dripping and we were cold and it was like fucking crazy mm-hmm. to experience that because it felt so real it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. It's like those sorts of things where like I want that in my life forever. I want to be able to experience that like constantly. And like with Mm -hmm. characters too, like, yeah, like saying like there are many times where like I'm now this, I'm now this Southern person at a bake sale. I don't know if there was one show where we had where we were at like a, like a bake sale and you were like taste testing the different pies and shit. And I Mm -hmm. think like everyone was deep into character i think most of us were kind of experiencing like a loss of self and we were all you were the fucking kid smug kid like trying the cake and i was some fucking mom like mm-hmm. making pies and stuff and it's like that's that's i don't know that's a it's it's hard, I don't know, it's hard to like explain what that even fucking feels like yeah it is and uh, i and it gives it brings so much meaning into um like the other parts of your life when if you allow it to uh, well because this is going to happen whether or not um, you mean to do it. Like I always say, like every time I'm watching a TV show or a movie or I'm just listening to people on the bus, like chat, you know, when I'm trying to go somewhere, um, all of that becomes so meaningful because I'm learning about people and I'm learning about characters and I'm filing it all away in my head. Nothing that I watch or hear is is useless, you know, to me. That's why I never feel bad about watching three movies in a row, like when I could be out socializing or whatever. I don't, because it's all like, it's, it's not all research exactly. Like I don't sit there and pick it apart like a computer. Like I only do this so I can do good scenes. I enjoy this stuff, but like whenever I see a type of character that I like, it just, it just like, I don't even consciously think like maybe I'll I'll do that as a character it just becomes part of this the all these things floating around in my brain that i draw from when i do improv shows sometimes without even realizing i'm going to pull one thing versus another yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah. everything has meaning because i'm then able to represent it on a stage and perhaps find some meaning in something that doesn't make much sense and in so doing like help someone else find some meaning or even just to look at something like scenes that are, you do that are sad right like where you're able to authentically feel sad and express like loss or depression or something like that. Um, like 
those could be so helpful to someone who just may not be facing their own depression or like their own, like they don't like to think about loss, but they have felt a great one and they can't cope with it. Just seeing it brought out on stage and, and someone feeling those emotions may provide some sort of closure or like help them to feel those feelings or put a put like a frame around an, a, a not beautiful part of life by representing something on a stage that's like a breakup or a funeral or something, no matter how stupid or silly it is, I think is infinitely useful because it helps us understand and deal with like the fucked up parts of life. That's why I don't shy away from serious scenes either or scenes about like fucked up things, you know, like, because that's, I mean, I'm just trying to survive, you know, and this is one way that I do it is, and, and I, I hope, I think that these representations that we give on stage where we authentically feel these emotions and we deal with them, um, may lead other people to be more in touch as well um, and, and have them like leave the theater a little bit lighter. Like or if, if for no other reason than the fact that they feel less alone, sure. you know, then it's totally worth doing. It's absolutely worth doing. Dude, um, like that's, yeah, I, I, that's, that's your spirituality as you kind of said. I mean, that's like, I mean, you're basically like if you were to say and then if you at the end of that, you're like, and then now come join our church. Like that's the fucking, that's, that's, you found you're right that's basically it man that's really good man uh, let's fucking close it on that that was really nice i like how you like buttoned it yeah i didn't mean to no that was that's fucking maybe you did man maybe i did maybe you did do you have any other last words you need to say no i don't it's been really great to be here with you i appreciate it i appreciate it um i liked the tour that you gave um i want to say that i wore my darkest shirt um, for the Dark Lord Keegan, it's I a, appreciate that. It's a, my the buddy who did the design mm-hmm. for this podcast. He uh-huh. uh, is a tattoo artist. And oh, sick! It's a yep. panther with a dagger through his head, and I figured it would fit your vibe real good. Yeah, <laughs> sure does. Thank man. you, Jake Rivera. Thank you, Jake Rivera. I dig it, Jake. <laughs> Maybe visiting you. I have a guy. I've got a tattoo guy, Jake. But I may come and visit you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's been it's been great to be here. I had a blast, man. Anytime. Yeah.